0: What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores, the games every day, just the Lakers. You're kidding.
1: That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top part show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there.
2: I don't think you
0: have to do things for money anymore.
2: Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. Probably no mic today, but we'll see if he can hop in later. And it's remarkable how quickly the tone and tenor of a series can change. The Lakers were riding high after game three, up 2-1, and even in the first half had an 11-point lead and feeling good and certainly looking very much in control of the series. Uh, We began the game with news that KCP would not play. He was a game-time decision and he was ruled out. And then the Lakers, at the end of the second quarter, Anthony Davis suffered a groin injury and did not return in the second half. Lakers were down by four. They... uh, I'd love to start with the first half, D, before AD goes out. And obviously that changes everything, not just for this game and possibly beyond. But the first half, while we established that lead, I did a bit of a rewatch before we recorded right now, at least rewatched the first half. And our transition defense in particular was very poor. LeBron had some turnovers throughout the game that were uncharacteristic, kind of trying to thread the needle in places he didn't need to. Point being, we had a lot of unforced errors in that first half that I felt very good about the second half prior to the AD news because it was a lot of shooting ourselves in the foot.
3: I thought the Suns made a couple of good adjustments this me and they showed up in the first half. One, they were really looking to race in transition. You mentioned that a lot of those that some of that is like Laker mistakes and attention to detail. And that's true, but it's not the entire story with that forcing those mistakes upon the Lakers or the Lakers making those mistakes in the first place is based off of the suns really targeting that area as a way to get some cheap points. The Lakers go to the offensive glass heavy. The team that wins the rebounding battle has won each game basically. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the last game, the Lakers had 15 offensive rebounds. And if offensive rebounding is that big of a game plan, or that big of a part of your game plan, a counter for the other team is make them pay when we when we actually get the rebound, right? Like as the Suns, I'm speaking here. And so it was the Suns' first possession was DeAndre Ayton running out it was, it was
2: also, that was a LeBron mistake though, right? Like, cause if you're going to have your big crashing the board that the other big is going to have a step on him. Aiden started that possession with the step on yes. LeBron's got to get in front of Aiden and, and check him. He had a few plays in, in that, uh, at the beginning of that.
3: I just think that though, and that that's why I'm saying that it's, it's a little bit of both to me, sure. right? Like, I think that as, as the big guy running downhill, that opens up other things for you as well. So the fact that Aiton got a bucket, that may be LeBron's mistake. The fact that the Suns were able to play with more tempo and get, I think, better shots in the cumulative based off of their wanting to race up court and, and really play against a Lakers defense that is not entirely set. That's a that's an adjust that's a game plan adjustment.
2: It, it is. And to that end, they were sending two guys to Drummond on the offensive boards. Yeah. And that said, they were still able to rim run with Aiton, which sucks in the defense. And we did make some mistakes. That first play was Aiton's bucket on a dunk, but we gave up a lot of threes in those situations. But part of that is because Ayton is rim running, because they have this strategy and because yeah drones getting has two on them the
3: second half of game three pete was lebron getting to the rim on multiple occasions based off the fact that ad was rim running that's right right and so the the act of racing your big up up the court doesn't always mean that it's your big who is Making the play for himself. A lot of times, the big is making plays for everyone else because basketball is still a game that's played from protecting the rim out. And every basketball player's instincts in transition defense is to sink, play the paint, and then get out after that. And Ayton has been enough of a force in the paint this series that when he's running downhill, he's going to draw attention. So that was the first adjustment that I thought the Suns made that was good. The second adjustment was that they were really attacking closeouts, especially closeouts that AD and LeBron were making. In the first half, Crowder got two layups off of attacking closeouts, and he had a, a nice interior pass to Ayton, that Ayton finished for another layup. And so that's six points right there that the Lakers surrendered just off of Jay Crowder attacking closeouts and then after crowder got those layups um the closeout started to be a little bit short which Mm -hmm. i was advocating for right Mm -hmm. because it's an adjustment you have to make when a player starts to change his mindset a little bit and then crowder started to hit the three i thought phoenix who has not been shooting the three ball well them saying all right well The Lakers are trying to run us off of the line. We've been making that point the entire series. And really, it's a hallmark of Laker playoff defense to limit three point attempts. Well, then, if that's an active part of your game plan, again, to get us off of the three point line, then let's attack that. And try to get all the way to the basket and make some good things happen. And I thought the Lakers were not as prepared to step up on secondary help. Drummond especially got caught a couple of times like, oh shit, he's on top of me already. And guys were finishing at the rim when Drummond was in the game.
2: That's exactly what I was going to say. Was Drummond's rotations were a half step slow, and because I do think that that was an adjustment and that was a a different way of going about attacking the Lakers' defense, and he was a step slow on a lot of his rotations and gave up some buckets at the rim, which leads me to Mark. Mark played more than any other game. It was his best game of this series, and when the Lakers went up eleven, Mark was on the floor, uh, despite KCP being out, despite poor transition defense, despite phoenix running the ball and doing a good job of attacking closeouts all that lakers were up by 11 and so talk to me a bit about how we were able to take control before things fell apart
3: i think mark spacing is super important this series um they're not defending mark with ayton and and so the spacing there isn't exponentially helping right like so mark spacing the floor is helpful because it takes another guy away from the paint which is opposite from drummond if that was ayton defending mark it would be a force multiplier right because not only are you getting the benefits of better spacing in general you're also drawing the other team's best interior defender away from the basket. So the Lakers aren't getting that force multiplier effect, but they are creating more room to operate for all of their players going to the basket, which is helpful.
2: For sure. And that's how we were in part able to get that lead. He was also really good on the defensive end. He was great in transition in that stretch. And they, they guard, like you said, Mark with a smaller player in part because they know he's not going to be able to counter that with by taking advantage of that size as a, as a scorer. I would like to see Mark on the elbow a little bit more. We'll talk more in our next episode. We'll talk we'll probably know more about AD's status about KCP's status. We'll talk more about adjustments because what adjustments those will be will greatly hinge on AD's help and
3: KCP's help. Yeah, and who's available to play potentially, right? And what right. the prospects are for that. So Hundred percent. So, so we'll get more into that
2: in the next episode. I do think though that Mark in elbow series is is helpful, especially if AD does play. Uh, we'll see about that. But yeah, moving tar- Mark from just the top of the key to other places, I think will be will be helpful. But defensively, I thought he was he was great. And, it was uh, his best. Asked, it, yeah.
3: it was his best defensive game of the series. Yeah. The Lakers still have not solved the Suns pick and roll. Their guards are too good at snaking the screen. Their guards mm-hmm. are too good at. Um, at navigating that mid-range area. And they spread you out in a small window in between the foul line and the dotted line, right? So that's only a four or five foot window between that space. But the Suns do a lot of lateral dribbling and escape dribbling in that area to to make that four or five foot window an eight or 10 foot window. And they draw out the big guy, and that's one of the reasons why Ayton has been doing so well, go, just going to the front of the rim as, as a role man. I thought Mark was, he's just so smart, and he's got such a good feel. It's weird to say, but he's bigger than you think. Because he's not a vertical player, teams feel like they can attack him and they can shoot over the top of him because he's not going to rise up to really contest that that shot well but because he has good spatial awareness
2: in and, and he understands that the area. decision he understands the decision the decision making of the offensive player like he either has to pull up here throw the drop off pass throw the yes. lob over the top but he understands like the decision tree that that guy has and can kind of read and anticipate off of
3: that that's such a great point he's he's just such a smart defensive player and and he has such good feel that he knows better probably than any other lakers big man besides maybe anthony davis whose instincts are also right there but is way more physically gifted should i be stepping up here should i be laying back He caught Booker several times. He drew him in just a little bit more and then pressed up on him. And Booker's like, oh, shit, I got nowhere to go now. Mm -hmm. And he made him turn his back and and have to spray the ball out rather than just walk into that 15-footer. And so I thought Mark's effectiveness this game defensively was much higher than Drummond. And, Uh, And even higher than Anthony Davis in that first half. I thought Mark's first shift was great, and I thought his closing shift was great as well. Maybe in the second half of the pod, we'll talk more about the second half, because I thought mm-hmm. the Lakers started to show some things there as well. But this was playoff Marcus Gasol, right? We talk about like playoff Rondo or playoff LeBron or playoff AD, right? But Marc Gasol is as focused and as dialed in as he has been all season. He is assertive. With his jump shot, he is going to the offensive glass in a way that he has not really during the entire season, except for like in little bursts, but he's doing that consistently. And he has been this entire series. It's interesting to me, Pete, because I remember after game one, you were talking a little bit like, man, and even some in game two, the Suns are really sort of taking it to mark. A little mm-hmm. bit yeah he and, didn't play in game one but yeah in game two, or they, or in they game two. Kicks, but yeah i feel like he has figured it out a little bit now we'll see if that holds very much right mm-hmm. because it's tricky mark is still not a fleet of foot guy and there are still ways to expose him there but i thought his individual decision making as a help defender and as an offensive player, we're very strong today in terms of shot pass decisions, that late pass that Chris Paul deflected notwithstanding, right? Like that was just a rough play and Chris Paul made a great play to to get that deflection. But Mark continues to make his case that he should play more. And I think in the next pod, when we figure out what's going on with with AD, um, With or without AD, it may be more important for for Mark to get larger shifts or or become a three-shift player rather than just a two-shift player, in my opinion.
2: No, I think so, too. He did a good job of figuring out exactly how far up he could go on the guards, and that that was the big— Thing early in the series is if is he was pressing too far up they'd beat him outside leg get to the rim he, that happened a couple of times with campaign in particular in the third quarter i believe Payne is getting
3: the lakers fits man
2: sure no pain pain's developed himself into into an excellent player um before we close the first half we went up by 11 played yeah. great but that kind of fell apart this was this was a stretch where i was and in, in my rewatch of the first half at least the whole first half like ad wasn't moving well before the injury um and this was a stretch where that combined with some i thought we were careless in in some instances uh how do we lose that lead and get down by four well look
3: i don't want to pin it all on ad um because but his he has been the difference maker this series in such an important way that him having a two for nine half and not really being active on either backboard and not really being active defensively. Like I said earlier, he was getting attacked actually on closeouts by by a uh, Crowder. That AD's impact level was so low that I thought the stretch that was super important to me at least was the minutes that LeBron was out and Dennis was in the game. And I think Ben McLemore was in the game. But A.D. was in there, but with Drummond. And I thought that stretch was the crucial stretch of the first half where the Lakers just, it was a slog for them on offense. There was no spacing. And that's not necessarily Drummond's fault, right? It no, was, it's just
2: that, but we've said this earlier in the series, right? Is the non-LeBron minutes. Mark is the natural pair with A.D. Yep. to help, help organize things. And when that doesn't happen, you see that get exploded.
3: They went to Ben. Ben was, I thought, useful offensively. But he started to get hunted more and more defensively, both on and off the ball. I just thought that stretch was crucial where the Lakers could not score. And then they were not. And when you combine it with the Suns playing with more pace and more tempo and them sort of um, being able to get into their actions earlier, that... It really gave the Lakers issues. But I'm curious, though, what were you seeing? Was there any one thing that stood out to you or was it like sort of um death by a thousand paper cuts?
2: Part of my frustration with that first half was really the unforced errors. We made a lot of unforced errors. And I don't want it to seem like every time Phoenix plays well or goes on a run, it's because yeah, the it's, Lakers. Yeah, but, it's the Lakers' fault, right? It's not the Suns. No, no, no. The Suns did did plenty to make that happen they they ran the floor for example and and spotted up but there are there are certain shots or certain plays where it's like oh they beat you on that play there are other plays where you beat yourself right it's a careless pass it's a it's, a, it's not running back on defense not matching up and so during that stretch our transition defense again in particular i thought was was very poor um we had a couple of turnovers i thought that uh, there were some possessions where Alex and Coos, and this happened more in the, in the second. Coos, for example, we need more from Coos on the offensive end. During that stretch, though, in particular, it was turnovers, poor transition defense. I, you know, they, go ahead. No fouls. Fouls. Yes. Thank you. Fouls. Booker's doing a great job of gathering his dribble early using Caruso's aggressiveness against him. The West matchup. I mentioned this earlier in the series, but Wes is not a great matchup for Booker. And I don't have the box score in front of me, but his plus minus was fairly poor for most of this game. Made the comeback, uh, Later in the game, they trim that down. For but for a good stretch of the game, he was a minus seventeen, minus eighteen.
3: He finished minus fifteen, Pete. So it's not like there was a big difference there. Like he was not part of useful lineups. Like we're used to seeing West be a part of more useful lineups.
2: Right, and it's just because it's a bad matchup. KCP is fast. West is not fast. He's strong. He's not a quick twitch guy, right? And Booker really necessitates that type of defender.
3: It's why I would have actually preferred that West start out on Chris Paul. And I've been saying that since before the series that I think Wes is a better matchup for Chris Paul where it's sort of like strength on strength to them. Like Chris Paul is still quick. Mm -hmm. He can still create, but Wes's strength is fighting through screens and his strength is sort of containing um, guys who are not super shifty right and booker's still explosive and he's still shifty right and he runs off of screens so when i say navigating screens for west i mean on ball screens like there is technique that you use on the ball that is not the same technique you use off off of the ball and the type of player you need to be against booker is more of an off-ball screen navigator, which is what is KCP's strength, right? He is he is one of the better lock-and-trail defenders you have in the entire league, not just on the mm-hmm. Lakers. He is by far and away the best guy on the Lakers that does it, but he's one of the better guys in the entire league at just mm-hmm. sort of locking and trailing. He knows how to get skinny. He knows how, how to stay attached, and he has really good hands, right? And so you can't really hand fight KCP and as he's aged just in the last three or four years that he's been with the Lakers he's gotten stronger right and so it's not as easy to push him off of you when you start to go into your screen action but Wes on the ball he plays with a wide base And he's got big wide shoulders and he will muscle over the top of picks in ways that allows him, I think, to recover and give a bit more back pressure. So Wes's overall play there was was rough. But but speaking to some of the mistake stuff, as as our buddy Mike jumped in here, one more quick point here before we go to Mike. I thought that there was just a lot of miscommunication stuff defensively, Pete. That was really just, when you talk about them, the mistakes, There was the a in down, stairs, yeah. there was an inbound play where AD was...
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
3: at the start of the inbound play, and Payne was the inbounder for some reason. Um, They inbound, Payne circles to the top of the key, and then AD just leaves Payne and leaves Caruso to guard both Payne and Devin Booker, and it's sort of just like, what the hell happened here? And Payne gets the ball, swings it to Booker, and Booker hits a wide-open three. So lots of mistake stuff. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we got Mike here. We're going
2: to get his thoughts. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, so we talked about the first half, Mike. Uh, help us out with the second half. They get the news that AD is not going to return, and the beginning of that stretch was was pretty rough. What, what do you see there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to kind of leave it to you guys today to break down the more specifics of the basketball stuff. To me, and what I kind of felt here in the arena, and part of that was the fans, but mostly just from the players themselves, that they they were just down, right, about the AD thing. And I think that mm-hmm. the first half was the, it was not the AD from the two games that they won the aggressive AD. That was kind of the counter to how Phoenix is playing defense that, and the sure the open threes that it was creating. But when that went away, all of a sudden it was really hard to score again. And Phoenix was really effective on defense. Uh, and I thought that certainly continued. So once they got out in the third quarter and they didn't know that AD wasn't coming back for sure. So Kuzma said he found out just like a couple seconds before. Basically, it was like, OK, Kuz, you're in. AD's not coming out. You go out in the floor and just kind of figure it out. Meanwhile, Phoenix was locked into a game plan that was working quite well. And with Kuz stepping in for AD there, he's not going to like he's not going to be able to put that kind of pressure on the defense that's going to make them change some um, like it did in games two and three. So that to me was where the game was lost. Uh, the, the Lakers certainly battled back in the fourth quarter. They started to figure a couple things out with Marc Gasol um, and Caruso, kind of like the Gasol-Caruso-LeBron trio. Um, I thought they were able to get back to getting some good looks, getting some stops. But it was just all that that half-court stuff and the mental, uh, the sort of the hit that they took mentally. And Phoenix was up 10 quickly uh, in the third quarter, and that, to me, was the whole difference.
2: Absolutely. And Kuz even mentioned in the post game as well that you have to change how you play. Like even from a technical standpoint, Kuz is a different type of player than Anthony Davis. And the way that our offense functions is it's around singular talents. It's around two guys that can draw secondary defenders. There's not a lot of motion. We don't run a motion offense. It's nothing like that. So... That starting group in particular, they seemed a little bit shell-shocked during that stretch, right, of just trying to figure out, along with the emotional side of like, oh, crap, we don't have AD. This is a whole different ballgame now. There's also just some technical, like, how do we play with this group out there? And they figured that out more as the, the half went on, but that was a rough stretch, and Phoenix really capitalized on that.
3: Yeah, Mike, what was what was the sense from the guys um, in, and Coach Vogel in – The post-game stuff like is do you sense there's more concern about the right level of concern i'm i'm sure the ad injury stuff is is sort of lingering out there but i know that we don't have an update yet about that this was a tough game i thought but the ability to close should give them a bit of yeah, we can still do this, but I'm wondering what your sense was about like where the balance in their mindset was and whether or not they're striking the balance that, that you feel good about as the team is about to go forward in to game five.
1: Yeah. So I think there are two different perspectives here. The one you're always going to get from the team, from the coach and the players, they, they have to think about the positives of it, right? They have to think, okay, we'll get in the room, the film room. We'll adjust. Uh, LeBron will take on more of the burden, you know, Kuz, they can figure out better spots for him. Marcus Gasol can be more about, so they'll do all that and they'll have a better, you know, they'll have a better performance than they did in the third quarter, certainly in game five. But I just don't think you can ignore, and these guys know it in the back of their heads, but from us as observers, you can't ignore the potential impact of the loss of Anthony Davis, uh, whether it's for one game, for the whole series, for the whole playoffs, we don't know what's going to result from that. But obviously it's not a good sign, guys, Um, when, you know, when he uh, leaves in a playoff game and can't return. Like that, Usually you don't leave a playoff game if it's something that you can play through with pain. Um, so that to me is the type of blow that can lose you a series. And it can happen to any team in the NBA. If one of your two best players goes down, it's going to be tough to win your playoff series. It's just, and so that's, the, yeah, that's we, the reality.
3: We've seen that with Chris Paul, right? He was super limited in the, like the middle part of this series, right? The second half of game one and games two and game three, he did not look like Chris Paul, and this game was better from him, and the Suns responded in kind, but not having one of your top guys, or even if he is on the court, him not playing to the level in which you sort of need from that guy based off of him being a key cog in everything you do on on both sides of the ball, that's super important, and Pete, I thought that that was... That was a key this entire game right we can talk about ad not playing in the second half but mike made a great point that ad just was not himself even in the first half and that lowers the Lakers' ceiling it
2: certainly does but i think that the chris paul comparison is appropriate for the first half in that the presence of a player of that caliber and their understanding of the game there there's also a certain degree of the opponent doesn't know exactly how hurt you are and exactly what you're capable of. You're not going to like leave Anthony Davis entirely. We've learned Chris Paul's limitations, who he really played through for a great portion of this game. But having AD out there, again, had we just cleaned up a few of our mistakes, I think that we take that in the second half if AD plays and is capable of doing that. So the difference between a limited AD and a completely absent AD is still very you know, it's still really significant. So Phoenix goes up by a huge margin during that portion of the game. They go up mid-teens. Lakers fought back. I will talk about this more on the next episode where we discuss adjustments and things like that. I think Mark becomes significantly more important because we just don't have enough offense without AD in the game. And having guys that can help facilitate that really are are important there. So uh, talk to me a little bit about that we fought back. We really had to play perfect to to get the win, and we came up short. We had that turnover on that pass to Wes, uh, had a missed layup from Dennis. A couple things that needed to go our way didn't down the stretch, yeah. but I thought we did figure out some things that if we have to play without Anthony Davis, we certainly it's going to be an uphill battle, but if we have to play without him, that period of the game I thought was useful in figuring out some of the, okay, how do we have to play Phoenix and to beat them without AD. Talk to me about some of what you saw during that stretch.
3: I mean, it starts with LeBron. His want to sort of attack and put his head down, that's going to need to be a hallmark for this team. He is not going to find the spacing, even with Mark on the floor, where he's attacking like-sized players back there. Aiton is going to be back there, and he's going to find a way to be back there in order to be a deterrent at the basket and phoenix knew
2: right with ad out they they really overloaded the paint they have been all series but there wasn't as much to counter and go to especially when dennis didn't have a particularly good game
3: yeah dennis so it's tricky i i think we can talk about dennis more in the adjustments pod because there are things i think that he mm-hmm. needs to do better mm-hmm. um some things are going to be harder for him to do better just based off of the style of player that that he is but he needs to be better um especially if ad is compromised at all but just in general just for the lakers prospects long term um they can't have their third best player be this up and down right um that said lebron's gonna need to attack not only do they need to make shots pete they need to be sharp about shot pass drive decisions
2: mm-hmm. i think they need to drive more right even if it's for drive and kick purposes because i didn't think our shot quality was as good in this game it was as not. previous games in part in large part because ad was not in but a lot of guys having to take threes where they reach across their body or have to change their footwork it's not where you got everything lined up can go up straight with it and part of that is you got to be able to catch it and go to the basket even if you're west matthews or ac does this right but our shooters coups you know that drive and kick game becomes especially important uh, in those Situations.
3: Well, there's also just other actions that the team can go to. They ran that nice little uh pass to Braun from a ball handler, dribble handoff back, and then and then flip it. And then LeBron hands the ball off and then sets an immediate ball screen again in the opposite direction in which the guy just came off the handoff. Right. And so in this example, it was Kuz. He was on the right side of the floor. He passed it to Braun, who's at the top of the key. Braun gives a handoff to Kuz, going to his left hand. Kuz stops, and then Braun sets a screen for Kuz to drive to his right hand almost immediately. Now, it didn't create a ton of separation for Kuz, but he got downhill, and then he threw that lob to Drummond, right? And so there are actions like that that the Lakers are going to need to go to more without AD because they're going to need – there's not a lot of shot creation individually now when you're down Anthony Davis. It's basically LeBron and Dennis. Mm-hmm. And even LeBron and Dennis, they get they're put in harder positions based off of Aiton's size that's anchored in the restricted area. And so you need to then start running even more stuff for guys who can come off of a handoff or come off of a screen in order to get into an action that works for them right that's something that kcp is really good at that's you know
2: offensively we think of him largely as a catch and shoot guy which is true but when we have those situations if you can get kenny going downhill without having to really handle the ball much Mm -hmm. so he's really good on handoffs but not necessarily on pick and rolls but he can make that lob read him and drummond have a good chemistry together so if if ad is out in game five but we have kcp we do have a little more to go to along the lines of what you're talking about
3: yeah but i also think too and and correct me if i'm wrong here but again the lakers run in the fourth quarter was still fueled off of defense it was fueled off of defense Mm -hmm. and early offense that's right? right and the lakers are going to need to commit to running and that was one of the things that was absent this game i thought um a hallmark to me of their game three win was the pace and the tempo that they were able to generate and, and that they really hunted those early offense and transition opportunities in order to get easier baskets. Because we've said this all series, the Suns are a really good half court defense team. And we've talked about it a lot this pod with Ayton back there, but Bridges is a really good defender. Crowder is a physical and can be smart defender as well. And he makes you work for things particularly in the half court and all of their guys know what their jobs are defensively in the half court and they do not make a lot of mistakes the places the lakers need to take advantage of them in are in transition and in early offense so that you avoid allowing them to to get set and in the fourth quarter the lakers were forcing misses and that first outlet or dribble up the court was almost always a speed push it was we're getting out and we're trying to get something early and the lakers are going to need to do that a lot more this series and and then if it falls back into a half game that's where mark is going to be more valuable that's where the lakers are going to need to lean on lebron's playmaking a little bit more dennis's play playmaking a little bit more and like i said we'll get into that more in the next pod but but i just think tempo pace and locking in defensively uh, like that's lakers basketball right and they need to get back to doing that because the suns team is a good team i've been comparing it a bit to the denver series basically since game one or game two, and that was the conference finals mm-hmm. last year. And this is a first round series. The level of play that the Lakers are going to have to reach in order to win this series is pretty damn high for a first round playoff team mm-hmm. from a team that just won the championship and is looking to repeat.
2: And the reasons for that are injuries. And that's carried into right, like we're the only reason we're the seventh seed is because of all of the games we missed and um the injuries in mid series now have really complicated this series. And we certainly have a series on our hands along with everything else game five. They're going to have the home crowd. That's going to be in a frenzy. And so we really have to commit to the defensive end and, and, Cleaning up our unforced errors in a large extent because that's what's going to travel in that road environment. LeBron had some encouraging uh, post game remarks about that. I think that the team needs a shot of confidence right now, and LeBron being able to be like, No, my shoulders are this broad for a reason. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that's going to be crucial is the belief that, hey, even without AD, and who knows, we'll find out tomorrow where he's at, but this is going to be a, a just a massive game. It's it's just difficult to overstate how big of a game this is going to be. While the Lakers are probably going to be figuring out, even if AD does play, a more limited version of of who he is.
3: The Lakers had two series that went six games last year. It was not 2-2 in in any of those series. They were up 3-1 against Denver. They were up 3-1 against the Heat. And then they won their first round and second round series both in five games right and so this version of the lakers the lebron ad version of the lakers have never had this sort of swing game five like this Mm -hmm. and it's never been on the road on top of that right last year was the bubble and whatnot so the idea of if there's going to be a a quote-unquote lebron game game five is going to have to be it yes sir because that would then push them to game six at home where you have to feel like, all right, let's go. Right. And you don't want to be game six at home and it's when, or you start vacation, right. Mm -hmm. You drive home and and start to talk to your family about where the next flight is to, right. Because it's not back to Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that LeBron, of course, LeBron is going to see the moment for what it is, but it's still going to be about going out there and taking it to the Suns. And that's why, Pete, and, and I think that we can wrap here, that's why that last stretch of the game was important to me. Because even though we was saying it online and in our text, chain as well that the Lakers basically needed to play perfect for those last two and a half to three minutes in in order to win the game and Dennis's missed layup and Mark's turnover were decidedly not perfect and so they lost right but the run that they were on in order to bring it down from I think it was 13 at one point with maybe about four or four minutes left they could have packed it in man they Mm -hmm. could have and they could have said Mm -hmm. we're down AD LeBron wasn't going for that In fact, like the dunk that he got that got called off, that was supposed to be an and one, but then it wasn't because they called it a foul on the ground, which was probably the right call. That would have brought it to 11. And then I think the free throw would have maybe brought it down to 10, or it could have even been lower than that. I can't quite remember the score exactly. But from that moment on, the Lakers really pushed and they pushed to say, we can still win this game. And there were some cracks that Phoenix was showing. And so... The Lakers now, despite a loss, can maybe use that little stretch of the game as a bit of a template and say, there's some ingredients here that we can use to move forward. And that does. It starts with LeBron because he was the guy who was the architect of everything the Lakers did during that stretch.
2: Very valuable stretch because we are going to have to figure it out on the fly. Even if AD does play, we'll certainly have to, you know, accommodate him in his physical condition. So we got ourselves a series. Uh, this series really swung quite a bit in in this game with how it went. Not just the result, but with the injuries. So game five coming up, we're going to get into the adjustments, which will largely hinge on AD's status. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
3: Ains has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tipped to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly.
1: Magic scores.
3: And Magic, got it.
1: Magic fires. It's the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left. That next will win it. It's on the way. Good! 48 points, 16 rebounds. Back with his eighth block There's, There's the move. Scores. Two, one, missing. One, three. It's over. And Shot popping out of
0: five. Bryant. Yes.
1: Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? Two point one seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic.